from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hey, welcome everybody to the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 things that make us go wow. 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 Thank you. Thank you. I want to start straight away, not introducing ourselves, but introducing our very special guest, Alec Mappa. Alec Mappa. She's quite good. She is. She is. And we're <laughs> always welcome. We're always so thrilled when she is here with us to really our take control. Phone, our little Christmas package is there here. You go. There you go. Um, I'm Fender Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, joined by Tom Campbell, our chief creative officer, and James St. James, editor of The Wow Report. So we've got 10 things to count down. We're going to start at number 10. And Tom, let's do it. Number 10. Number 10 is basically Alec Mappa. Yes. It's all about you. And you're yes. here for so many reasons, mostly because we love you and you're part of the family. But That's you true. also have something to plug, which makes you more exciting than ever before. <laughs> <laughs> very holiday related, so go on, go on. I always have something to plug. I was just going to say, we've plugged you more times than anybody else. Yeah, listen, um, I I finally broke through uh, the Christmas movie barrier of Hollywood, and I'm appearing on a Christmas movie that I started streaming yesterday, December 9th, on Peacock, uh, The Housewives of the North Pole, starring me. And a, little, and a little lady named Kyle Richards, who wow. you may know from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So Blake is very excited. Now, here, here's the thing. I went in blissfully unaware of what a queer icon Kyle is. So Blake is going to have to explain to me why. Oh, she's just amazing. She is the OG housewife of what maybe the best uh, housewives franchise. She's been Beverly on it the Hills. longest. She's been yeah. on it the longest. I watched well, the first season, and then after that, that day trader killed himself. I thought this was a little too grim to watch. I think it's interesting that she's had two huge movies this year, and you and Michael Myers are both her co-stars. Halloween, I forgot. That's right. That's right. This, should have, this one should have been called Christmas Kills. So she <laughs> have had a, a, if it's a, a holiday. Movie. If it's a holiday, Kylie's there. Now, did you, now she must have played herself. Did you play Lisa Rinna? What was your role? I played Lisa Rinna. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I went to Palm Springs and got a, a gallon of filler in oh. my bottom lip. No, um, I, did I play. Film, did you film at the North Pole? No, we play. Uh, we, it takes place in a fictional town called North Pole, Vermont. And Betsy Brandt, who you may know from Breaking Bad, and Kyle Richards play. Um, uh, housewives, uh, frenemies, who have uh, been best friends, frenemies for years and years and years. And one year they, uh, because they both have empty nest syndrome, uh, both their kids are at college in a way, they uh, they start uh, becoming very competitive about Christmas decorations. And it turns into an all-out war in, in North Pole, Vermont. Now, while all this is happening, um, I'm in New York City playing an editor of a BuzzFeed-type portal and I send a reporter out to North Pole, Vermont, to to get the skinny on what Christmas is like in the real America. And as soon as I find out that there's two housewives are fighting, I think that's going to make me the Andy Cohen of BuzzFeed. And so I set them on the story. It sounds like nine out of ten of the Christmas movies, one of which we produced, and yet... <laughs> It's special and unique, and I love that about you. Oh, go, I go ahead. I was wondering if North Pole was close to Tuckahoe. 
Like it may be the same train. It right? may be. Cool. Uh, are we discussing the bitch who stole Christmas? There's 145 Christmas movies this year, and I've amended. I said there was only one worth watching, which was the bitch that stole Christmas. Now mm-hmm. I think there's two. There's, there's two, two worth, worth watching. watching. Yeah, but you know what? People love Christmas movies. They love them, and they don't even have to be good. But <laughs> the pressure's off. Oh, that, that's going to be my next one. That, that is my next topic. Yes. We have to write. We have to write a, a combined. I've always wanted to combine horror, the horror genre, with Christmas. Like you know, uh, uh, The Exorcist. Uh, uh, Twas the night before the exorcism, or something like that. <laughs> you know, just kind of combine the holidays. I think it would be really, really great. Merry Christmas. Merry probably Christmas. the but the scariest movie of all time is Black Christmas with Margot Kidder. I don't know if you remember that from yes. 74. That is yes. one of the scariest movies I've ever I still have PTSD from seeing it when I was a kid. I have right. that and um uh Christmas Evil on my Oh yeah, that's book. a good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there's another I have one. a pitch oh, go for ahead. you guys. I have a pitch for you. When I was a student, I wrote a play called Nice Christmas. Mm. And it was not a nice Christmas because the turkey comes to life, um, hops out of the oven, and like a razor head and alien, goes around the house killing everybody off. So now there's the opportunity, Alex, Netflix. I can let you have the movie rights, okay. and you can go ahead and knock stuff up, make nice Christmas. I Spend might change. You- I might change the title to Knife Christmas if it, if, oh. it's, if if that's not. If people will be too re- pushed about that. You, you wrote that as a student, is that correct? I did. Yes. You realize that if that were happened today, they'd have to keep you home from school. Oh, why? If you'd written that, you'd have to keep you home from school because that's, that's a little scary. <laughs> it was very rare, you know. Needless to say, the son was gay and the daughter was a lesbian, and it was just all just. That sounds delightful. Mm-hmm. So, Alec, the movie is called "The Real House" or "The Housewives." The of Housewives the North Pole. of the North Pole, and it's, it's going to be streaming on Peacock. On Peacock, and I'm I'm happy to report that Kyle Richards was a delight. She oh, had, good to know. She's been working as an actress since she was a kid alongside of her sister, Kim. They did a, a number of Disney movies. She appeared in The Watcher in the Woods, which was a I Disney remember. picture, yes. which starred Betty Davis. Betty Davis, yeah. So she worked with Betty Davis when she was a little girl. Does that had- mean you did your Betty Davis impersonation for her? I did. <laughs> but wait a minute, because you know that's yes. interesting. Because Kim also did uh, the Escape from Witch Mountain, the the second one with Betty Davis. With Remember both Betty, Davis with Betty Davis, and, and there's there's a great quote from Betty Davis in To Return to Witch Mountain, where she's trying to seduce the children into coming over to her side, and she said, "Would you like some ice cream and candy and <laughs> soda?" <laughs> this is really good. Alec, promise me for the rest of the segment you'll only speak in Betty Davis as we move uh, Of course, Tom, but you have to decide. Is it pre-stroke Betty Davis or post-stroke Betty Davis? Oh, no! Pre-stroke for now. I, I prefer pre-stroke. <laughs> stroke me. That's what I want. Stroke me. Um, okay, you can stream the Real Housewives of the North Pole now on Peacock. Now. Stick with us, Alec, because we're moving on to number nine, and I think we've got a theme here. James. Okay. Number nine. Yeah, I'm speaking of bad holiday movies, boy. I saw one of the worst today. Oh, please it share. Was, it was, uh, um, what was it? Oh, a Castle for Christmas, starring Brooke Shields and Carrie Elways on Netflix. And it is 
the schmaltiest of the schmaltz. You know when Netflix goes schmaltzy, yeah. they go in. And yeah. this is this out hallmarks anything Hallmark has ever done. Brooke Shields plays a novelist who is uh, she's in trouble with her fan base because she's killed off one of her beloved main characters. And okay. so she escapes from the scandal and mm -hmm. she runs away to Scotland where her um, grandfather lived as a child. And she goes to stay in this small Scottish town and there's a castle there. And on a whim, she decides to buy the castle from the grumpy old Duke of Dunwich Dunlap or something or other, yeah. Carrie Elways. Yeah. And of course, they bicker and they fight, but then they fall in love eventually. And they both, how do I say this delicately? They're both a little grizzled at this point. Really? Carrie Elways. Even, even Brooke Shields? So beautiful Brooke Shields, who I love. I've met her a hundred times. Mm -hmm. She's a delight. She is so sweet. I love her to death. Somehow, they didn't, yeah, they didn't quite film it in the right i i don't know there's the lighting something is wrong with it oh. carrie always who is so handsome in princess bride he's just they're all getting a little old i guess and the, the script is just terrible but i loved every minute <laughs> of it it's my favorite christmas movie of all time i have you know gotten rid of every drag queen on my instagram i just did a cleanse and all i follow now are castles of Scotland, royal <laughs> British royal jewels, and Gothic homes for sale in America. Beautiful, That's beautiful. All I do, and so this was right up my alley. I was completely mesmerized by the castle, and there's lots of drone shots of sheep on the Highland, and everyone does little jigs with the fiddle, and you know that sounds great. It's do you wonderful. do you follow cheap old houses on Instagram? I do follow cheap old houses. That's, That's fantastic. One of my favorites. That's yeah. fantastic. All right, I'm and gonna. I keep thinking that if I get a, if if the bonus is right this year, I will have just enough to buy one of those cheap old houses and get the go. hell out of Dodge. There you go. You could get a mansion in Detroit for two dollars. You can buy it it's off of the true. city. Some of yeah. them are your bonus this year, James. Two dollars. What a coincidence. Listen, I'll follow Carrie Elways anywhere because in the mid-80s in uh, Maurice, the Merchant yes. Ivory movie, he's like the most beautiful man that's ever lived. No, Both it was another, another country. No, I'm sorry. Another country starring Rupert Everett. Yeah. So who was the one from Maurice? Who was that boy? I loved him uh, so Rupert much. Rupert Graves. Rupert Graves. Rupert Graves, yes. Oh, beautiful. so good. Anyway, I, I just I wholeheartedly endorse this movie. It's terrible, but it is wonderful. Oh, because I'm confused because your review was like very negative and then it pivoted to absolutely gorgeous and marvelous. Well, it's just I mean, it, I listen, I got the booster shot this this week <laughs> and I have been I have been it really laid me out. I have been like exhausted. All I can do is just watch bad television and just I mean, it's it's hard to get out of bed. Just getting up for this has been impossible. Oh, wow. But uh we're very honored that you joined us. Mm, so that's A Castle mm. for Christmas streaming on Netflix as 145 Christmas movies. So you could watch one a day for the next, what, six months? Yeah, till um, you're dead. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Number eight. Number eight. Who is watching Succession? I am. I am. Yes, yes. Oh my, I don't know if I can keep doing this to myself. Why? Like, I watched the episode on Sunday and mm -hmm. fell I, I was just traumatized by it. And the, the week Do we have before, to spoil alert for anyone? Do yeah, you know I haven't watched it yet, so I'm going to turn around. Okay. okay. All right. Well, was the this the one with Kendall's birthday party? Oh, that was awful. And I didn't think they could top that in terms of depressing and, and sort of suicidal inducing. Mm -hmm. But 
uh, Chiantishire, it was called, and they all decamped to Italy for a wedding of the mother, the patriarch, mm-hmm. yes, who is yes. perhaps more nasty and evil than than Roy himself, than mm. the, the patriarch. I, Logan, I mean, yeah. This is so bleak and depressing. James, I, I, I do you want to plug your ears? Because no, no, no. Go ahead, go ahead. I'll, I'll watch it tonight. Uh, but see, watch but it? it's, but it's, see, it's great having ble- ha- watching bleak, depressing things happen to billionaires. Because I, I feel like that's a devil's deal. It's like you have every material comfort, you're set for life, and all you're doing is living through your own self-made misery. Yes. But if if you if you have billions and you're unhappy, what hope is there? There's, there's it, no it, hope. There's no hope. Pointless. There's no hope. There's no and hope. They don't have any cats. That's the problem. But we'll go on to another topic. I'm sorry. Keep going. It, the, Keep going. the ending was unbelievable. The ending? Oh, well, of okay. course. When, Fill up. When Roman sends a dick pic, he thinks he's sending a dick pic to Jerry, who has been his long-term kind of kinky squeeze. I love that. And she is now the CEO. But he accidentally sends the dick pic to his dad. How many times have you done that? (laughs) Good God in heaven. And it's just, I I just, oh, I found it so, I found every story of this episode profoundly depressing. Like, for example, when Shiv... And her husband yes. make love, yes. and they get into this role playing thing, sort of S and M dominatrix thing. Yes. And she starts saying, "You're not good enough for me. I don't love you." And it's like, it's just toke. I, it, I, it seemed to me it was like a cross between a pinter play and um, the comeback, just in yeah. terms of toke, cringe TV, cringy. yes. And I took a picture of Dorothy, my dog, after she'd watched it. And she literally just turned away and faced the wall. And was oh just crushed. I just oh don't know if gosh. I can watch it. Well, every scene with Tom, I, every scene with Tom Campbell, every scene with Tom, the, the actor, it's just so cringeworthy. He is so good at being just, I Did mean, you know unwatchable. He's a British actor. Do you know that? Yeah. Yes, I did I know that. I and Shiv, Shiv is Australian, I understand. Yeah, She's an Australian is. actor. Um, I love Kieran Culkin on the show. I think he's so hilarious. And I love Cousin Greg, who's like eight yes. feet tall and is just so awkward. And really, he's really good at the cringeworthy scenes as well. Yeah. And- I have a feeling that Craig is for the win. I, th- I think that, the, that it ends with Craig taking the Game of Thrones. I think so, too. Yeah. I think so, too. Uh, the end of the episode, I'm not going to give away character, but one of the main characters may have drowned him th- themselves. Oh, I, it could be hard to guess which one that would be. Merry Christmas, I mean, everybody. <laughs> no, but like, it, but is, is it a big fake out? It probably has to be a big fake out. It has, it has to, to be, be a fake out. out. I don't think or, I've seen or does everything change? That's what we're talking about here. There's a great Report. article. There's a big feature about the guy who plays Kendall in The New Yorker. And it's sort of saying he doesn't get the joke. And everybody's saying, oh, well, Succession is a comedy. But number one, it's not a comedy. And number two, the fact that the actor who plays Kendall is so good. He is so so heartbreaking. He's so good. I think Greg, the cousin, is almost a a stereo, almost a parody. But Kendall is searingly real and thousands mm-hmm. of layers and yeah just, and yes. always just when you think he's you know he's gonna do he jobs off another mm-hmm. he's kind yeah, of impressive and it. pathetic Sorry. yeah it, yeah interview. smart smart and unaware at the same time like like also the 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 um brother who thinks that he's gonna be president 
Oh, he's he's cringy too. He's fabulous. This was the cringiest episode of Succession I think I have ever seen, and I'm not sure that it's possible to show more cringiness on TV without Mm. people spontaneously combusting or dying Mm. or something. Tune in this Sunday. I bet you they're going to talk themselves. That the the brother who thinks he's going to be president is playing the exact same character he played in Ferris Bueller's Day Off (laughs) as an older older man. He's still terrified of his father. He's still cringeworthy and (gasps) awful. Never thought of that. It is. Never thought of the same character, but just 40 years later. Alan Ruck. Nice. Alan Ruck. Yes. Well, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll carry on counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow this week with our very special guest, Alec Mappa. Oh, hey, Blake. We got a question. I do. I'm so excited that we've got Alec with us. I forgot all about the questions. Well, I want to know what show just broke the record of longest running live action sitcom in American history. I know know the answer. Beginning recently. Alec will come back to you after the break and you'll give us the answer. Okay. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hey, welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and our super duper special guest, Alec Mappa, star of uh, The Real Housewives of the North Pole. If I'm, I'm the queen of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> and while you're watching Christmas movies, let me remind you to watch The Bitch Who Stole Christmas, which is on VH1 currently. Um, yeah. Blake, you had a question. Um, yes. What show just broke the record of longest running live action sitcom in American history? with its 15th season beginning recently. I just want to say before Alec answers this, that it's a worthy uh, um, uh, competitor to the one who, who it broke the record was Married with Children, I think, before that, wasn't it? I so read, is, I read um, that it was um, Harriet and Ozzy. It broke the well, record. I, th- yeah. I think Married with Children is up there, though, and I think this is sort of a worthy companion to that. Go ahead, Alec. Always Sunny in Philadelphia for the win. Yes. Okay, there That's you go. it. I've never seen one episode. Oh, so funny. (laughs) It's really just terrible, terrible people. It's like succession as a comedy being played (laughs) as a comedy. They're all all awful people. They're all, there's no redeeming qualities. They make Seinfeld look cuddly. Yeah. It's like this show. It's great. Yes. (laughs) No redeeming qualities. Yes. Like this show. We are counting down the top 10 things that make us go wow this week. We've reached number seven. Number seven. Are you guys sitting down? Yes. Okay, because I'm reading a book. (gasps) I know, I know, I don't read. Okay, it's a book on tape, which is my new way of avoiding television. But it is a thousand-page book, which translates to 43 hours. It is the oral history of HBO. It's called Tinderbox, HBO's Ruthless Pursuit of New Frontiers, written by James Andrew Miller. We talked about this a little bit because there was some leaks about the book they talked mm. about Sheila Nevins and some turmoil, and, and we talked about that. But the book is 1,000 pages long with mm-hmm. hundreds of first-person accounts. And, you know, it's not the real people talking, but the voice actors are kind of sound like – it sort of sounds like Sheila. It sort of sounds like Bridget Potter. So it's an oral history, right? Yes. It's fascinating and boring. Mm. I You know, I worked there for four years, very okay. close to people, and it – it's more about the succession part of it, but there isn't the inter... Like, I remember so much, and I will never repeat, all of the interpersonal stuff that happened. Yeah, that's what I want to hear about. 
the dirty laundry. Mm -hmm. And part of me thinks like, I should write a book about the dirty laundry. And I thought, I don't want anyone writing books about my dirty laundry. So why would I write a book about their dirty laundry? It's too late. It's going to happen. I know, I've already started. You know, yeah. I, there are some questions I have, Tom, about from 94 to 98 is what I'm really interested in with yes. you. Were there any were there any revelations, Tom, in the book that were that were new to you about HBO that you had not known heretofore? It the one thing that were, you know you know who Michael Fuchs is you know, by mm -hmm. name mm -hmm. he is the founder you know it's in some ways it's the details are fascinating the memory lane that Dinah Ross in 1980 was the first music concert that blew like set the standard for all the rest oh. and the, and the, and the stand up comedy and how they went from stand up to to, to that to sports. You know, and, and how they just were like mavericks the whole time and kind of full mm -hmm. of themselves. And Michael mm -hmm. Fuchs was kind of like, he would come in and he'd be like, do we fuck them or do they fuck us? Like that was his kind of deal making, uh, you know, and which is very typical without the details, which are fascinating. It's like the, the maverick personality it takes to start something is usually not the entity that can carry it into its corporate oh, okay. life. Although right. he was there for like 20 years. But when he was kicked out, and I remember this happened, he was 49 years old, which seemed old at the time. It doesn't anymore. And he never held a major media job since. That's the part. Wow. I know it's just kind of wild. He didn't but, have to. He had his billions. Yes. Yeah, he had know, a golden parachute. But they're driven. These people are beyond driven. And it, it also, it speaks about the corporate um, takeovers. I mean, because it used to be by itself and then time life. And, and, and the author uses something I'm going to use a lot now. He says that, you know, to sort of give the whole history of the, of the ownership of HBO, it's like the song, There Wasn't a Lady Who Swallowed a Fly. Because it's just like who followed a spy, who followed a spider, who swallowed like it's all over. But you know, mm -hmm. and now they are owned by uh, AT and T, and they're going through another huge shift. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm only like in is the, the in book, the. Is it coherent? Because Ruthless Pursuit of New Frontiers is a really weird subtitle. It just seems a bit wishy washy. Is there I think that is you've picked up on it, Fenton. You're very perceptive because I don't think it goes deep, but it's it's comprehensive. It covers what thirty years you know, and all these different people. But, it, you know, I have to say, with all due respect, an oral history is kind of um, uh, everyone's, everyone's, it's not, Sheila is very forthright. Sheila Nevins, uh, who's, you know, one more Emmys than any human being alive. And she feels, she's always been that way, right? You know her. Mm. And she also, I feel like she's at a point in her career where it's like, I don't give a fuck. I was going to tell you the she's way I remember it. Foul-mouthed truth teller, as yes. uh, Alexandra nice. Pelosi called her. There's one moment, I think, if I didn't get this wrong, where Michael Fuchs was fired. There was still going to be like this big, he was being honored on Friday of that week for some big Jewish, like, you know, charity. And Sheila spoke to him, I don't know, privately or publicly, and just said, you were the best. You know, you're wonderful. I love you. And he goes, I wish you would have told that to everybody before they got rid of me. And she said, <laughs> and, and she said according to Michael Fuchs, she said, I'm sorry. I'm just evil. <laughs> with, with her usual sense of humor. So uh, I think that's your merch. That's your merch opportunity, Tom Campbell. <laughs> that's going to be on mugs, T-shirts, lunchboxes, bumper stickers, what have you. Thermoses. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just evil. No, yeah, exactly. Sorry, I'm just evil. It, um, it, it, it's fascinating. It, like some of the stuff I was there for, Carolyn Strauss, Michael Lombardo, people were quoted. Um, but it is, uh, it's, it's hard. It's not as cohesive as you want it to be. But now that I'm barely watching television, I find it a comfort. Awesome. Okay. All right. All right. That's Tinderbox, HBO's Ruthless Pursuit of New Frontiers, available on Amazon and wherever fine books are sold. Mm -hmm.
number six. Jane. Number six. Have you guys seen Power of the Dog yet? Do you know what I'm talking about? I've heard um, amazing things. I haven't seen it yet, but I listened to uh, Benedict Cumberbatch being interviewed by Mark Marin, and he's like a nonstop obscene phone call. He's so hot. It is the craziest. It is. It's a uh, Jane Campion's Western. It's the mm-hmm. anti-Brokeback Mountain is what it is. It stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, who is her real life husband. He plays her husband here. And a kid named Cody Scott McPhee. Yes. This sort of lanky gazelle-like boy with big blue eyes and pretty mm-hmm. red lips. Mm-hmm. And he comes on to the, well, uh, Kirsten Dunst, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is this sort of bully he's this ornery old cow hand uh, in a ranch in 1920s montana and he and his brother run the ranch and the brother is sort of dignified and, and good and he that's jesse clemens he marries kirsten scott or kirsten dunst and they bring her the, uh, the teenage son onto the ranch right and the teenage son is this pretty boy and he is he is obviously effeminate and there is you know he's gay as can be and benedict cumberbatch picks up on it and starts bullying him right away and he's making fun of his lisp and he makes fun of him in front of all the cow hands and then very and the, the boy is is you know like all timid and runs away from him but very slowly benedict starts to take him under his wing oh okay and he starts so, to say he starts to say i'm gonna make a man out of you boy mm-hmm. and i'm gonna teach you how to ride and make mm-hmm. a rope and mm-hmm. we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and cody scott mcphee is like yes phil yes mr phil whatever mm-hmm. you say mr phil mm-hmm. and kirsten dunch is is all right up saying no 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 i don't like any of this i don't like any of this my baby well, Cody Scott McPhee, the boy, Peter, finds a stash of muscle magazines that <gasps> belongs to Phil. And he starts to realize what Phil is up to. And Phil says, I'd like to take you on a couple on a day for a two-day ride out to the back behind the mountain. And he's like, Well, Mr. Phil, that sounds like quite an idea. And so they go off. And when I tell you it, nothing happens for the first hour and a half. Nothing, nothing, nothing. But you drop all these little clues and then all of a sudden, pow, bang, it's over. It ends. And it is the craziest ending. There's these moments where all of a sudden you're like, who's fucking with who? Who's manipulating who here? Who is really in control of this situation? And there's just these scenes that you keep saying, what the fuck is going on here what is this kid doing what is benedict doing there's a scene where benedict has this boy's napkin and he's masturbating to the napkin and you are just like what is happening and then like i said it ends and you sit there for an hour and a half with the tv off saying what just happened and you have to read all these i think like all these people saying what they think happened and it is just when i tell you it is some of the craziest performances of the year some of the best writing of the year some of the best filming of the year it is unbelievable this kid cody scott mcphee knocks out of the park benedict cumberbatch is brilliant and you just don't know where it's going wow that reenactment deserves an emmy or an oscar of some kind i mean it was really Attention must be paid. That was really, that was better than you must pay the rent. I can't pay the rent. I mean, that was like an instant (laughs) classic. It was snidely whiplash. He is It was like silk off a spool. Spoiler alert, do they do it? Well, it, I can't even I can't even go there. I can't even tell you what I had to Because I can't wait, wait. sit through another movie, gay movie, where he just has sex with a piece of fruit. 
I can't. Well, no, no, can't. Well, he, he, no. He has sex with the saddle boy. He and the saddle would get get it, get it on. Okay. I have never Sorry. seen "Call Me by Your Name." Is that all that happens? He fucks the peach. Yeah, Is that... yeah he fucks the peach. That's the most explicit sex scene in the movie. Oh. And they do, and they do the thing in in like uh, straight guys playing gay guys that I absolutely hate more than anything. Just because I've never seen a gay couple do this, that kind of playful wrestle where you push oh. each other and you hit each other and you get each other in a headlock, and it's like, hey, you! It's like that doesn't happen ever. <laughs> it's just, yeah, no. Well, what not to mention um, eating beans for dinner and then you know just using spit. Oh, oh, we were talking about broke back. That's broke back. That was broke. Yeah, back. yeah but yeah, that's what I call it. Broke back. That's Another thing happened. I get yeah. wrong. Yeah. Well, I don't yeah. know if you've been following Milk's OnlyFan, but uh, oh, <laughs> okay. Oh wait, I won't anymore. We're moving wait. on. Oh, okay. Uh, All right, we're moving on. <laughs> Number five. Number five. Talk to you about landscapers on HBO. <laughs> Has anyone seen landscapers? No. Is this like another reality competition show? It's, like, no, it's okay. Yeah, you think it is. It's the new real life true crime drama with Olivia Coleman and David Thewlis. So it's British Loveys conquering America. Um, it's a four parts, only four parts long. Okay, I um, love her. I love her. Love, love her. her. And this is written by her husband, actually, mm. uh, Ed Sinclair, who's an actor and producer as well. <laughs> and it tells the true story of Christopher and Susan Edwards. I'd never heard of them. True British story. Um, convicted of killing the wife, in other words, Olivia's parents, and burying them in the backyard. Um, and then off they, they planted some shrubs on top of it. That's why it's called the landscapers, because they oh. landscaped the grave. Okay, that's And different. then they went up. Then they went off to France and lived on the lamb for 15 years. In fact, no one knew. No one even knew that the, the parents were dead for 15 years. Oh, wow. And it's a really weird... I wish you'd seen it because it's super, super stylish. But in a way that, you know, when something is super stylish and directed in a very conscious, self-conscious way with lots of tricks... It all pulls you out of it. And you're like, oh, they're being very clever yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Because and if you're watching the style more than the story, then it's, exactly. it's like a, a, a cut. Check, please. Uh, and Olivia Coleman, who I love everything she does, I love. She's got this sort of um, fantasy world of Hollywood, and she spends their money on Hollywood memorabilia. And hmm. so it lapses into recrees of movies and clips of movies and clips projected on. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. Wait, you're, and, you're saying this is not worth your time? Yeah, well, why are you the, recommending this? Well, it made me go wow because everyone else is going wow. You just oh, got to see it. Go wow, I, but it wasn't any good. I watched the first episode. I, I'm sufficiently intrigued to watch the second episode, but I just wasn't convinced. I thought maybe a, a jury here would like help me out and say, no, you got to stick with it. I My, haven't I haven't seen it. It takes it takes something has to be pretty spectacular for me to stick around. Now, right. I watched the first episode of Watchmen on HBO and was completely in the dark. I was like, I'm not the uh, audience for this. They're not explaining anything. I don't know what's going on. But uh, uh, Regina King, who is the star of it, was so exceptional. And uh, who else? Uh, who was uh, she's on? Uh, um, uh, uh, she was on Designing Women. Gene Smart. Uh, Gene Smart. It's just was so incredible that I was like, okay, I'm sticking around. 
And it, it sounds as if, well, I love Olivia Coleman because she's all eyeball, all eyeballs, like a, a keen painting. If you watch, well, you know, as a Brit, if you're watching The Crown on seasons three and four, it's all about what she's not saying. It's all yes. about restraint. And, and that's a really difficult thing to do. I think she's so talented. I agree. And she was amazing. What was the other thing that she was in? That the she favorite. Was she was so good. The, the favorite. favorite. She yes. won the Oscar for that. But yeah. I think yeah. the other thing, that British thing, that British series. Where she um, was a detective or something. No, Fleabag. Bag. Fleabag. Fleabag. Where she's yes. a passive aggressive mother-in-law. Yes. Wonderful. The thing Played is, by Tom Campbell. In this, in this, the landscape, she plays a very timid, very fragile character. And mm. that's not the Olivia I want to see. I want the Olivia bitch. Mm-hmm. And I sort of feel I'm seeing the Olivia Coleman I know. I feel like, I'm like mm, yeah, I've seen this mm. bit before. And David Thewlis, bless him, isn't my favorite actor, though he was good in that Rimbo eclipse. Oh, right? yeah, he was. Well, yeah. yeah. Get hey, it by Leo um, DiCaprio. Hmm. I have a tip. If you're going to murder someone, I have a murder tip for everyone. Yes, go ahead. If you murder someone and you bury them in the backyard in the in the garden, what you want to do is you want to plant um, endangered species plants on top of them so that you can't. It's illegal to dig for the police to come and dig up the garden. I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. that. So if you murder someone, put put plant some put endangered species <laughs> plants on top of it. And do you have any... there's no way that the that, that the police can come uh, to, name come one endangered plant? Well, like some sort of Venus flytrap from Africa or something like that. <laughs> that, that you know, that, that, like, there's some sort of like for some reason it's on a list, and the the, the, the cops cannot or the FBI cannot come in. I was going to take it to the next level and go. Is that why there's all those bald eagle nests at Jane's house? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. All right, mm. you can watch Landscapers on HBO Max, second episode coming this weekend. Uh, 14 queens are competing for the title of Queen of the Universe, hosted by <gasps> Graham Norton. It's streaming now on Paramount+. Plus. All right, we're going to take a break. Blake, have you got a question? I have a question, yes. I'm going to break the format. I wanted to ask, what is your favorite holiday movie, each of you? Like, what movie do you watch every, almost every season? Oh. Okay. We'll have the answer for you right after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton. Our special guest today is Alec Mapper. I'm here with Tom and James St. James. It's getting near to the holidays. And Blake had a very seasonal question for us. Yeah, I just wanted to know, what's everyone's favorite holiday movie? What movie do you watch almost every holiday season? Uh... I'll go first. Mine is National Lampoons. I was gonna, oh. I was gonna say I could do that a hundred times a year. I love that movie. I usually watch it at least once. Wow! I okay, see that TBS one. is doing twenty four hours of just it on repeat, like they usually do with the Christmas Story, mm-hmm. and that's probably mm-hmm. why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I um, like Scrooged. I'm a big fan of that Bill Murray movie because he's so salty at the beginning of the movie. And so it's it's very um, satisfying at the end. Also in the 80s, I briefly dated John Glover, who plays the villain in that film. And his 80s haircut brings me back to a happier, simpler, more frightening time. (laughs) I had no idea about John Glover. That's fascinating. I did, yeah. I what one is the I love those Bass and Rankin um uh you know like the Rudolph stop motion ones. yeah yes I love the um, I'm Mr White Hot Christmas I'm Mr Sun I'm Mr yeah. 
he, Miser, I'm Mr. I'm Mr. 101. They call it the year without a Santa Claus. That's year without a Santa. And I also yes. like the one with the just put one foot in front of the other. Santa Claus is coming to town. That's it. I love those two. Yes. Mm-hmm. Starring Tom? Fred Astaire. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I Tom? would say, as cliche as it is, it would have to be It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, I can't watch cry. that one anymore. The ending. I love you, Harry Bailey. I'll love you to the rest of my life. I'd like to make a toast to my brother, George Bailey, the richest man I know. Benson, it looked like you were at a loss and you were going to say you don't watch I don't watch. I just don't watch any holiday movies. I just watch that freaking Yule Log on some channel. Now, you, love, you love Die Hard. Yeah, oh yeah, Die Hard is my die favorite. Hard. Thank you, Blake. Yeah. Bah um, Humbug, I would save this for the Bah Humbug episode. I can't believe you. You I have think two to be, children and you don't watch any holiday TV? To be added to the rotation is a Krampus starring Tony Collette, which I recently watched. Delightful. Delightful. I, I'm, yeah. call, wait, I'm, just, I'm calling child services. I can't believe <laughs> these poor children are being starved of holiday Blake fear. is right. Well, I let the family watch them. I just don't watch them. My favorite line from Die Hard is "Ho, ho, ho." <laughs> Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, good. Do you know what's also a weirdly awful uh, Christmas special, and it's a classic? Is the Charlie Brown one? It's mm. like suicidal oh, yeah. children. It mm. was the very first Christmas special that was about childhood depression, and right. it was like for the very first time on network television, children were allowed to be unhappy. And I loved that show as a kid. But that, that, <laughs> that soundtrack is, is one of the best soundtracks of all time. All time. It Vince is, Guaraldi. So good. Yeah. All right. Moving on. We're counting down top 10 things that made us go well. We've reached number four, Tom. Number four. Well, I don't know about you guys, but as a single human being, uh, I quarantined the last, you know, the beginning of the quarantine for a year, year and a half. I oh, quarantined golly. with Chris Cuomo. And I'm sorry to see him go. I know there's, mm. he may have not done the right thing. Mm. I know there's allegations. Mm. I do think he's kind of cute, but mm. I also did like, he got me through the quarantine. He yeah. was bringing information. He had COVID himself. He brought yeah. us down to his basement where he's recovering with it. And now he's off the TV screen. Yeah. Hopefully he'll return someday. And he'll be back. I don't know all the details. I'm not here to shame or judge. I'm just saying. Well, wait, I will tell you, though, if Jeffrey Tubin can be back after eight months after jerking off on Zoom, then I think Chris Cuomo will be back. Jeffrey Tubin is, you know, they, they he's been w- welcomed back with open arms. I think Chris Cuomo will, too. Brian Williams was left NBC in in covered in infamy because he lied. He lied in in personal anecdotes on talk shows about having been places that he was, having met people that he'd never met, and he left. And now he's back full time on MSNBC. So give it give it a year, and he'll be on Dancing with the Stars. I promise. <laughs> okay. Well, I look forward well, to it that. Is, you know, it is interesting, Tom, that like you said. I remember Randy Rainbow singing about being homosexual about his brother and how much we loved his brother for getting us through, you know, for those daily, you know, briefings. And then everybody turned on him and everyone turned on Chris Cuomo like that. It's so interesting how the Democrats will eat their own, whereas Republicans do not do that. They don't. And, and, you know, the thing is, I, I, I don't know about Chris. I don't know. Chris Cuomo. I don't, I'm, 
I, I get a little annoyed with Don Lemon gushing over him every single episode. Mm. That to me drives me bananas. Well, we all know what that's about. He hasn't mentioned anything. Don has been very quiet. It's oh, it's very yeah. awkward. And, and the oh. look on Don's face says like is like this every night. Um, but the, the two of them were just really grossing me out. So I'm sort of glad to see Chris go. I'm, I'm, I have to say. Well, that. again, he got me through, for, for getting me through the quarantine with some amount of sanity. Thank you, Chris Cuomo. And I hope that, uh, you know, I wish the best for everyone everywhere. All right. All, All, right. All right. That's Chris Cuomo is out, not out of the closet, out of CNN. Mm. Ah. Mm. Number three, James. Number three. You know, I um, I told you that I had got my um, booster shot on Sunday, and it really just packed a wallop on me. I have had the chills. I haven't been warm <gasps> on Sunday. I have been like, I take hot showers like 10 times a day. I um, have headaches, and I have been exhausted. I literally slept 24 hours on Monday. I took the day off, and I got up to eat some potato chips and cookies, and I went back to bed. It really... It, it, I don't know. It's very interesting that I, I like, I didn't have a reaction for the first two at all. But I this did. One, this did one you? made me sleepy. The booster made me sleepy. I will, yeah. I will, but I can't blame my chip and cookie eating on the booster. <laughs> I, I have that's, that's on me. But, um, I got the Johnson and Johnson, which made me very sick for 48 hours. Really? Uh, cause it was one dose. And then the booster, I got Moderna. So I'm, I'm a cocktail of immunization you and, are. uh, it, it, it made me very sleepy. I got very, yeah, yeah. 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 I well, have read, I'm no expert to take, take no medical advice from me, but I've read that if you have a big, strong reaction to it, it means that it's working. I, yeah, right. no, I, I'm not good. worried about well, it. It just, it, it was interesting to me because I thought I was pretty immune to those things. But anyway, um, so I've been like in a news blackout a little bit. And I don't really know. I haven't been following the Jesse Smollett uh, case, which went to trial this or went to to jury this week. And Blake was telling me a little bit about it, how that the that Jesse now says that he was sleeping with one of the boys. Does anyone can anyone update well, me on what's they, going they, on? He, he was uh, going to a bathhouse with one of the boys and they had mutual masturbation in a private room. Wow. And and so Jesse was able in his he came and took the stand, which is very bold. And when he laid out his story to his defense, you know, his defense lawyers, he was able to bring up all of this stuff that just kind of kind of threw mud in the water or just like, you know, Hollywood gossip and, you know, just stir, stir, stir and kind of made the whole made your head spin. The next day, the prosecution came in and kind of reminded the jury that this is why we're here. It's about this incident. And and how just Jesse to um, details like, well, why did you circle three times around the block the night before with these two guys exactly the spot that you, you know, he went, he checked the list and some of the outlets, I'm not seeing any of the testimony I'm just reading, you know, which is all skewed, but they're saying that he was really taken to task by the prosecution after that. So, yeah. Well, so wait, what happened then, Tom? Is Jesse guilty or is, 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 is he making up the whole thing? What's What is going on? I don't know. It's so dirty. I, I, not that I matter, but I think he's guilty. I think he made something up. I think he was in cahoots with these guys. He says that he gave them money to get him a Nigerian organic steroid so he could be in shape for a scene. I mean, the excuses are a little, you know. And well, would, what was the bathhouse? I want to know. The and, bathhouse um, thing, he's, I think he was trying to say we're having a sexual relationship. So that's why this guy's obsessed with me. Like he's just, you know, and the guy says he did not, and they were in a steam room and they jacked off. You know, also this stuff's all for like 
uh, you know, largely straight media that's like, oh my God. And as gay people are like, yeah, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, masturbating in a steam room, give me some dirt. (laughs) That's Tuesday afternoon. A little bit. I I don't believe we're so shamed for our sexual behaviors like, you must oh, have geez. felt really really sick james not to be following this case like... <laughs> again i don't want anything bad happen to jesse but it, it seems really weird he's very defensive and it just it, you know if if uh, you'd like to think if somebody were innocent they'd be able to have a straighter line yeah to the and, truth. And, yeah and the thing that makes me feel bad about this is there there are people who have been injured in hate crimes who do have a legitimate gripe and this doesn't help their case and, at and all. These, you know the maga people are are just horrible enough as it is i don't think we need to lie about them i think no. that they, you know i th- yeah yeah I, I feel like he's sort of done harm to the cause yeah the jury all right decide. well th- i'm just gonna tee up this next item number two number two Death machine pods because it's such a this is such a my light keeps on for my my special what do you call the light that you put the on? circle like, light thank you it keeps on falling okay. off okay anyway okay. I'm going to tell you about death machine pods very exciting it's called the Sarco S A R C O and uh, Philip Nitschka who was actually the first doctor to administer a lethal legal voluntary injection to four of his patients. Um, has invented this thing that you can print with a 3D printer. You can It's portable. You can set it up wherever you want. And it's like a sort of cocoon. And you get in it. And then once you, you enter, you get sent an authentication code. And once you've verified that, it sucks all the air out of the pod um, and you die. And his whole thing, what's intriguing about this is, um, his whole thing is like your last day should be your best day. To be why you know why you got to inject yourself with barbiturates or something like that? Why not go out on a high, euphoric? And he says that you know he, he says as he's explaining this, he says, well, if you've ever been in a plane that suddenly decompresses, mm. which I'm pretty confident none of us here have been, or actually no one listening to the show has been. I hope not. Apparently, if that happens, you get actually very giddy very quickly, and you're like, oh, why should I put on this mask? I'm having so much fun. So apparently it's a very painless and uh, euphoric way to go. And you don't have what he calls um, oxygen thirst. You just. So you there's just... no there's no uh, experience of you suffocating. No kind of like no. terrifying moment where you're like, hey, we're out of oxygen. No, no gasping for breath because you can still breathe. You're still breathing. It's just you're not getting any air. All right. So you, you, you're not like <gasps> you, you can breathe. You just but you get very inebriated very quickly. I have a follow-up um, question. Yeah. Is there is there does it come with a cleanup crew for the pod, or are your is your roommate or housemate stuck with this dead body in the house? <laughs> that costs more. It's like when you order a mattress and you have to pay extra for them to take the other one away. <laughs> right, right. I was like, he's thought of everything except there's these pods all over the place with dead people in, and who yeah, wants to go yeah. in and, and drag yeah. the dead body? I mean, do out? you just drag it out to the sidewalk and just like the garbage picks it up at the like end of the day? Like a Christmas tree after yeah. Christmas. Just leave it. Yeah. <laughs> just put it out. Dark, 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 dark. I remember there was a couple years ago, I think we talked about it on the show, where there was a death by roller coaster. A man invented a roller coaster that was so so fast it killed you, and that that was a euphoric way to go out, too. Yes, and in fact, there's a movie about these euphoric ways to die. 
Yeah, there's what? a movie about it called Proposition H or Preparation H or something like that. I don't think <laughs> when you, to die. When you said lethal injections, I thought you were going to be talking about Alec Mappa's dermatologist, but I guess not. <laughs> when you said death pods, I thought that it was going to be like a Keurig. Or something like, like a Tide Pods or something. Yeah, like a, a, a little like coffee machine, death machine. Like you, you, it, it's portable. You drink it and then you're dead. So killer um, coffee, killer coffee. <laughs> and and are these are these pods like are they sent to people with terminal illnesses or are they sent to people with suicidality? I mean, who qualifies for a death pod? According to him, anyone over the age of fifty qualifies for a death pod. Right? Um, oh you don't, you know, because he's like, why have you got to be dying of a terminal illness? You know, I mean, you're practically dead then anyway. He's like, right. if you want to, if you want out, you should be able to to get yeah. out. Your way of telling God, I quit. Yes, he wants a good death for all. A good mm-hmm. death for all. I just want to remind people listening that the National Suicide Prevention Life uh, Lifeline is 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-8255. Thank you, Tom. Let's take one more quick break. And when we come back, the number one thing this week that made us go, wow. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James and Blake. We're sort of getting near to the end of, well, actually, we're not that near to the end of the year. So, um, but we have a very special guest today, Alec Mappa. It's all for you, Damien. (laughs) (laughs) that laugh alone what the heck is happening oh my gosh we've reached number one counting down the top 10 things this week that made us go wow do you want to do the big reveal alec yes well i'm coming to you live from my death pod right now and uh uh, the oxygen is depleting as we speak so i have to get this out my number one i'm kidding i'm kidding uh my number one thing that i've been uh going wow about Number one. I've been listening nonstop to uh, a podcast uh, that TCM put out called The Plot Thickens. And last year they covered the making of um, the making. It was the Melody Griffith, Tom Hanks. The, the Vanity uh, of the Bonfire. Bonfire, vanity, of the Bonfire of the Vanities. Absolutely fascinating. This, this um, season, season three, they take on the entire life story of Lucille Ball. From her growing up in Jamestown to coming to uh, New York, to coming to Hollywood as as a showgirl, to uh, being a contract player at RKO, where uh, they tried a million different things to make her a star. None of them stuck. She got into radio, and then they she got a television contract. They put her out in front of an audience, and a star was born. And she was 40 years old. And it's absolutely fascinating. Um, and, and there's so much uh, uh, audio from Lucille Ball herself. And even from Aaron Sorkin and the people working on the Nicole Kidman, um, Javier Bardem, Amazon movie that's coming out shortly. Well, during the break, Alex says, has anybody seen the new Lucy movie yet? And we haven't, but we're all looking forward to it. But it is so amazing because I'm listening to this podcast, too. I think it's up to the Mm -hmm. 10th episodes dropping. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so fun to get the background in anticipation of sort of prime you for the movie, which is getting – Pretty good reviews. Pretty I, good know, reviews. Nicole, Nicole Kidman's getting very good reviews because people are it's very It's weird because, you know, you talk about style over substance and how sometimes it, it takes you out of the movie. And right. that weird thing they do with her face, just I don't know if I can watch two hours of that. Oh, but I they've been doing that with her face for the last 50 years. I mean, like Nicole Kidman, she did an HBO series last year where she had a young child in school. 
And it's like, she's had a young child in school for the past 20 years. But what's interesting about this podcast is you realize what innovators uh, Lucy and Desi were. They had never shot a sitcom in front of a live audience before. They'd never done three camera comedies. They invented that format. And uh, the reason that they no did ever, it was nobody no had ever, ever done that before. Anything. They yeah. wanted they wanted to uh, uh, shoot the show live, and then they would show it on the East Coast by showing a rotoscope, which is just a camera aimed at a television watching the show. Uh, Desi Arnaz said, "No, that's going to be terrible." Lucy said, "No, it's going to we're going to film it." And CBS said, "Okay, if you film it, you guys pay for it and you own it." So they didn't think anybody wanted to watch it again. And I Love Lucy became so popular that they ran out of shows at one point and they reran the shows and it got even better ratings. So they, they invented reruns. It's really, it's fascinating. When Lucy was pregnant with, uh, with the real Desi Jr., there was like, oh, like two months they couldn't, they didn't have any shows and they started doing repeats. And it was the time when people were still buying televisions, so like double the people in the country had television. So more people watch the repeats than watch the real things. It's full of fun, amazing right. facts like that. Right. And, so, and the, 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 on the last episode, you find out uh, Lucy's prowess as a producer. Two of the um, a series that she greenlit against the uh, advice of her uh, network board, Mission Impossible and Star Trek. Those were her decisions. Oh my decisions. God, you're yeah. kidding me. Nope, That's no. nope. Yeah, they said it's too expensive. We can't Trek. do it. And she said, let's do it. Let's do it. Well, and another yeah. little tidbit of information, a uh, little bit of the new movie is filmed right here at World of Wonder headquarters. That's right. If you want to make a 1950s street, you shoot outside the door of, of World of Wonder. <laughs> <laughs> water and paper cups for, for many years. It was, it was during the pandemic. And actually, I was in the office and I was leaning out the window taking pictures. I'll, I'll, I'll post them to Blake and you can did, put them on did the you see Nick, Did you see Nicole? Did you see I her as did. Lucy? Yes, I did. Yes. I, I'm playing Lucy in the sequel. <laughs> That's right. The Revenge of Desi Lu. It's animated. Put 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 Star Trek on the air. <laughs> Alec, I can't begin to thank you enough for your time and for Chicken. being here. <laughs> thank uh, you. So, <laughs> thank you, James, and thank you, Tom, and thank you, Blake, and thank you all for listening. Um, I will just say one thing before we go. 14 new queens of RuPaul's Drag Race <gasps> season 14. You can find them on our YouTube channel, Wow Presents, and watch them sashay into the workroom in a two-hour mega episode, January 7th, 2022, on VH1. Can't wait. Um, Good season. Uh, same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. Wow. Woo.